Unseen Podcast. We're coming to you live from Cole Creative in downtown Wilkes-Barre. I'm Rich Howells. I'm the founder and editor of NEPA Scene. I'm John Popko, back from paternity leave again for the yes. second time. <laughs> uh, I work for Rock 107 ESPN Radio and Alt 92.1, and I am the Saturday night host of Alt Natives on Alt 92.1 at 9 o'clock. It's good to have you back, John. Good and now we've lost Brittany. Was she ever back? Was she back? She was, she was kind of back. Not last week, but the week before. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're constantly rotating uh, a host. But the only no, constant is Rich Howells. Yes. But he is the founder and editor. He, he needs to be here. I pretty much have to be here yeah. at all times. Yeah. But every once in a while, I let you kids take over. Uh, so tonight, uh, we're here with the New Vintage Ensemble members, uh, Casey Thomas and uh, Kimmy Leff, who uh, wrote and star in Hashtag Van Life. Uh, which is a show about uh, the millennial uh, van life trend uh, that premiered at the Scranton Fringe Festival last year and uh, comes to the Cooperage in Honesdale on March 2nd and 3rd. So we're going to talk about uh, acting and directing in local theater, uh, arts funding, uh, th this particular show, and much, much more. So uh, please tune in. Uh, stay tuned in for the full hour. Uh, leave your questions and comments down below. Uh, f for us, for them, whatever you want to talk about, and uh, we'll get to those later in the show. Uh, I also have some questions for you guys that I would like you to answer as well throughout the show, so uh, I will shoot those to you, and by all means, you can uh, respond in kind. We will uh, get to them at some point and, uh, and read them back and respond. Uh, so now if you're watching this live, uh, there's, uh, there's also a share button underneath there too, and we would love for you to, to, to click that and uh, tell your friends that you're watching this. Uh, so I, I wanted to take a moment to mention this, uh, kind of mention it briefly on some of the, the previous shows. But uh, do you guys remember over the last few months, there was a lot of people sharing, uh, very gullible friends, uh, sharing that uh, stupid copy and paste hoax, that Facebook is, is limiting your news feed to only 26 friends, and you better respond or comment to, the, to this, this post, otherwise no one is, you, you're never going to show up in my feed again and I'm never going to hear from you. Well, um, that is not true. Uh, you can look it up on Snopes or whatever uh, you'd like, but uh, if you Google it, you'll find that it's not true, pretty much like anything else that people copy and paste on Facebook. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it is true, actually, for Facebook pages. Uh, Facebook thinks that you want to see more racist rants from your drunk uncle, or uh, more people fighting over the gun control debate than they do the pages that you like. Uh, so pages like us that you obviously like because you're watching this, uh, or, uh, or other pages on the internet, whether they're uh, your, your news, your, your favorite bands, celebrities, movies, brands, whatever, uh, they're all struggling to reach you right now uh, because Facebook is severely limiting how many people see those posts. And uh, the obvious reason for that is extortion. They want to get money out of you to, uh, to pay for every single post, which uh, we post several times a day. So financially, that's just stupidly impossible. If the big guys aren't doing it, we certainly can't afford to do it. So really, really rely on you guys to get the word out about that. And I know I've said that a hundred times and, you know, it's easy to just say, yeah, yeah, I will and, and, and dismiss that. But um, you might have noticed too that you don't get notifications anymore when we go live on Facebook. You used to send those out to everybody. Now they don't really send those out anymore. So you kind of have to know that we're here every Wednesday, seven to eight on Facebook Live. If you don't know that and you haven't seen that, you, you wouldn't know that the show exists a lot of times unless you go to our website on a regular basis. So, uh, so whenever you see those things pop up, please like them, please share them. Uh, 
to guarantee that you see that content. You can also go to a tab uh, on our Facebook page uh, that says following. And when you we click on that, you hit see first. And that way, every time we post something, no matter what it is, you will see it first in your newsfeed the next time that you refresh it. So uh, that's a way to guarantee it. There's also a notifications button uh, that you can click on, and that'll let you know that there's that uh, we're, we're, we're live or that we're doing something. Uh, there's also a little three dots up on this very post on Facebook. You can click on those as well. If you're watching on the desktop version or wherever, if you're watching this later after the live feed, you can click on that, and that way you can get notifications. So there's lots of ways to do it, except Facebook hides it all. So we really want you to, to be able to see our show and continue to do what we do. Uh, I will say that surprisingly, our web traffic has been really good and kind of weathered this whole thing. Um, so we still have a steady stream of people that, that uh, pay attention and like and comment. But a lot of times that used to be enough and now it requires much, much more and much, much more. And Facebook is continuing to do that. And sooner or later, we might be banished to another tab because <laughs> they're already testing that idea where you can only see your friends' posts and what they share. And then in a separate tab that you have to click over for, you'll see all the other stuff. That could be a possibility in the future. We hope that doesn't happen, but if it does, keep that in mind. So for independent publishers like us, we appreciate your support. So thank, thank you all for tuning in tonight. Long story short, share this video and stop sharing the fucking conspiracy theorist bullshit. Yes, please stop sharing that stuff. Uh, you know, pictures of, of random people and saying that they're all like, I, I'm sorry, but children are dead. Okay, yes. let's not let's not try to trivialize that in any way. Um, at the end of the day, no matter how you feel about gun control, stop sharing that crap. Uh, so before we get to uh, into the interview, uh, we have some beers that will maybe take the edge off right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from Beer Boys in Wilkes-Barre. Now they have 72 beers on tap. Uh, plenty from Pennsylvania breweries, including some of the ones we have here tonight. So uh, what are we drinking, John? We have uh, from North Slope, which is in Dallas. It's the Orange Crush, which sounds awesome. Uh, Berwick, also local, Dry Hopped IPA. And I think he knew uh, it was hot out today and sent us SBC Shady Spot, which is the lemon shandy. Uh, also local. So uh, That's a great one. shandy? You no, it's the uh, it's summer shandy. Summer shandy. Summer shandy. Well, it's it's a lemon shandy. Yeah. The summer shandy is the lime mm. kugel, I think, or whatever. But yes, you yes. promised us beer. Which which one you want to start with? Uh, the IPA, I think. The what was the second one you said? Get hopped up here. Hopped right. up. Let's get hopped up. Dry hopped IPA. All right, sounds good. Yeah, that sounds up my alley. Well, yeah. if you're a craft beer guy. This is the the place to and go. And where is it again? Beer Boys, you say? Beer Boys, North Washington Street in Wilkes-Barre, a block away or yeah. two blocks away from here. Yeah, about two blocks. Right from down here. the street. Seventy-two taps on keg. <laughs> Just making a mental note. <laughs> yep. Stop. Hotels in Wilkes-Barre. Thank you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Oh God. And thank you for having us, by the way. Oh, awesome. you're very welcome. On that note, while we get beered up. Um, we appreciated all the, the sharing of our, our pictures and our media and, yes. and things like that, especially uh, before we head into Honesdale to do our show. It was a nice push of, uh, of exposure for us, so we 
appreciate that. Yeah, we we uh, we ran the, the the press release about a week ago. So if you want to know more about the show, uh, we we just reposted that yesterday on, on Facebook. If you want to scroll down a little bit, you'll be able to see it. Oh, there. top yourself off. Uh, because it probably didn't end up in your feed. So if you want to find out more about it, it must be more of a struggle for guys like you. Uh, trying to get your word out about what you're doing. Yeah, well. absolutely. I mean, you know, you run into the same things that, that you're discussing. I mean, either way, just getting caught up in the midst of a bunch of nonsense anyway. Because, I mean, sure. as far as the way I post, I just post things to my personal page or I share things because I'm not very good at self-promotion. Mm -hmm. So all my, you know, shameless plugs get lost in the the fever pitch of everything that's going on now. So it's... Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's becoming increasingly difficult to to compete with all the other noise, you know. And and it's not to say that those things aren't worth discussing. I just don't know if arguing with your friend on Facebook is really going to change any minds or if it make make any real effect in the real world. I think what some of the kids are doing now, uh, in reaction to that, is commendable right. and is actually at least starting a real discussion about legislation and things like that. Um, sharing memes is not going to do that. No. <laughs> but, uh, but there are so many people doing really good things, and I think it kind of gets lost in the shuffle, right? Because well, it's so easy to just like something or to have a quick, you know, five-line rant on Facebook and then say, I participated in this, you know, situation. You know, it's not really right. much of a, an effort you're putting forth. You're just, you're, you know, it's, it's not the same as actually going out and doing something that's, tangible where you can see the results and yep or just keep your mouth shut and stay out of it otherwise <laughs> which is especially if you're not informed that's right. that's really the main thing is most you important know, be yeah. informed about what you're sharing mm. i wish i mean i saw some of the rallies today and i told you earlier mm. um i think it's great what the kids are doing but right. like they also need to educate themselves on what the hell they're talking about because when they're getting Getting asked questions. So they're not getting, yeah, you, you have a camera. Hey, so in your what do you think about this? And, yeah, like a lot of guns and stuff. Like, it's like, <laughs> God damn. Yeah, not, not, you, you, gotta, you gotta pick a representative who's well spoken and put yeah. them in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, I th and, but you know what? There's a lot of stuff today, too. Um, you know, a lot of the, the media uh, uh, sites and, and channels and everything else give in to that clickbait sort of crap as well. Where they're looking for that well, person. Right, that's what they're working. That, you yeah. know, they, they want somebody who's not informed. So they can go, see, look, they, they don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, yeah. well, yeah, you found one person in the crowd. Of course, you're gonna find you're always gonna find that yeah. person it's that best not doesn't give. represent the rest of yeah. it, you know, everybody. Or, right. You know, isn't well spoken. You know, it's very easy to do but that. But a lot of times the person who's willing to stand up and, and act as the you know, the representative is not the person necessarily who has all the eloquence and the information. And, sure. But they have the willingness and the wantingness to, because a lot of times people shy away from the, the forefront of, that's, you know. That's true. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. But, hey, if, if you're willing to do it, that's half the battle. And then knowing what you're doing is the other half. Right. Right? <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> that makes sense. Uh, so we want to plug our, our, uh, our other sponsor, uh, the, the V-Spot, before we, we really get into the, the conversation. Uh, they have one of the most popular bars in northeastern Pennsylvania, uh, live entertainment every night of the week. Uh, this week they have uh, Ken Norton from uh, Grace's Downfall. Who I went to school the show with before. Mr. Ken Bum. Norton. Yeah. Bum. Yeah. <laughs> Bum. Well, he's there tonight. So, Let's go uh, get him. So if you want, after the show, if you, if you want to go down. 
Angelina is uh, Thursday, uh, a very talented, great voice. Uh, Three Imaginary Boys is Friday, uh, who we, we actually uh, shot recently at, the, at Jim Thorpe uh, with, when uh, they were playing with Ed Randazzo. Well, they are not bums. They are not bums. Yeah. They're, they're there, there are no bums in Jim Thorpe anyway, <laughs> period. Well, they're yeah. from here. Right, but at any point. Right. Uh, that 90s band is Saturday, uh, which is the last time you'll know them as uh, that 90s band before they change their name till, uh, until Sunrise. Do you so know why they're doing that? I would think it's because they probably want to do other stuff other than, you know, you're kind of stuck with the name, you know, like, okay, we have to do 90s yeah, you're tunes. Yeah, backing yourself in the corner there, huh? Right, right. You can only, you know, you only do so much. So, yeah, but they, they are changing their name, so, uh, but you can catch them uh, on Saturday. And uh, karaoke is uh, Sunday with uh, DJ Huff. So, oh, and our, uh, our, our open mic and talent contest will be coming back uh, next month uh, to the V-Spot uh, at the end of March. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I want your opinion on this. Uh, anybody who's watching, anybody who's a local artist or anything like that, whether you're going to go or not, what what kind of prizes do you think would be good? Because uh, we, we usually have the same type of thing. We have a cash prize, um, usually some uh, recording studio time. That's great. And, you know, uh, a couple other things as well. What would you like to see? Is there anything that you think is more valuable than those things? Uh, usually, usually the artists are pretty happy with that. Yeah, um, I was going to say that sounds... You know, pretty ideal. Was the comedic Viking? Yes. Because I remember seeing on the live. Yeah. And with all the noise, it was hard to kind of hear what he's doing. But I just saw this guy in the Viking get up. And <laughs> when I was doing another show, yeah. we were on WBRU Live. And I'm going into Volksbear into the studio. And there's this guy in his Viking costume. I'm like, well, it's Volksbear. <laughs> and then he came into the studio. And I was like, this is interesting. And then, yeah, I didn't realize. It's, well, that's it's, familiar. It's funny because he's, know you know, I think a lot of people are like, is he nuts or is he, you know, like, uh, you know, what, 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 what is the, what is the thing that he's doing? You know, once you see the act and you get to know him, he's a wonderful guy. He's, he's great, like a yeah. big teddy bear. He's a really funny guy. Yeah. Really smart too. Uh, and the the whole bit is very clever, but I mm -hmm. think people are just like, whoa, what is this? Like this guy's walking around with swords and stuff like right. that. Gets your attention, but you're kind of like, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, it's you used to do the. Um, was that somewhere else? The op the open mic. Yeah, we've done a couple different places. Right. So we we started the at the Woodlands, Woodlands and then right. we did it at Thirsty's for a little while. Now we're at the. <coughs> spot. I've been thinking about trying to write a comedy set, and I've started it, and I have some bits and pieces. Yeah. And uh, I had a chance to to work some of those out a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I I sort of bailed on the opportunity because mm -hmm. I, I got cold feet, <laughs> and I was like, I'm not ready. I'm just not ready yet. Yeah, but um, that might be a good place to try it out. It, you know, it, we we've gotten a lot of people that have started at our open mic, or at least you know tested out you know the waters and stuff like that. And there's a lot of great comedians that show up that can always help you with that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, they'll give you that honest feedback if you want advice. It. I need feedback. I need that initial toe in the water. I just need to rip the bandaid off and yeah, and do it. But that's I the way that's the play. Yeah, but I he did go to Story Slam. Yes, yeah. but see, I wasn't so. asked to. That was all spontaneity, so <laughs> it worked out all right. But yeah, being a storyteller and being a comedian are sort of two different things, right? But but also the same. Yeah, I mean yeah, there are some similarities. You could paint that picture and you know lay that foundation and kind of wrap it up with a little punchline. Right. I mean, yeah, you have to. I'll try it out. Open mic. I will. And I would appreciate a cash prize and some studio time if you don't mind. Okay. All right. So the, the first bit of feedback. But please let us know what you what you think. Uh, we would love to be able to, to serve you guys in the best way possible. And so we want to give you stuff that you think is valuable. So, I mean, everybody values cash in some form or another, especially starving artists. But 
you know, we want to offer other stuff as well. Do you want a vacation? I mean, what do you want, you know? Do you um, offer for the people that do perform if they ask, like, any kind of feedback or... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely, we definitely help with that, and you know, try to help people improve. And and a lot of times too, uh, you know, uh, uh, Thomas the Red, as we, we mentioned before, is a great example of that. Uh, when he first came to the open mic uh, when we were doing it at Thirsty's uh, a couple of years ago, uh, he had a, he didn't do the whole Viking thing. He just did a regular comedy bit. It was just all, you know stuff that he had written for a long time and just kind of worked up the courage to do. And then he became friends with the other comedians, and they started to kind of, you know, help him so you they know, find his way that and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. And that, that's essentially, you know, he started it because of that. He got the encouragement that he needed to continue to do it. And then when he, uh, you know, he came back a few months later, he was in this getup. And I'm like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? You know, and then they he told me to do it. <laughs> they cultivated me. That's how things like that happen. It just, yeah, it worked, it worked out really well. All of a sudden you have a sturdy, lifelong career as a man in a Viking costume. <laughs> I heard about him. You know, I've never met him, but I've, I'm He's hearing about him team. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, and it's cool. We've, we've, we've helped a lot of artists like that get started or at least, you know, get their names out there and stuff, and then other people will pick them up. Uh, I, the, one of the best things that I think come out of the whole thing that is not necessarily a prize, but I think should be valued even more than the prizes, we get a lot of people gigs. Absolutely. You know, they'll see the live feed and go, oh, I want, I want to book this guy. Right. Or, you know, they, they even if they don't win the grand prize, it doesn't matter. The, know the so publicity and everything. Locally, and how it's so difficult to try and get started uh, locally, especially in a place like Scranton. And I know. Right. I, a pretty healthy amount of comedians that are that are local and, and um, that's how they survive just you know bouncing around little places here and there and, and you know it's tough so it's good that we have that a, a few people that were actually in the whole last season that came week after week a lot of them ended up getting booked at, at uh, not only the v-spot but other places as well so you know it's something that you know leads to other opportunities so i encourage people to, to come I out mean, to you that. never know who's there yeah, exactly. my favorite story exactly. is is just you know seeing kids go up there for the first time you can hear them their, their knees smashing up <laughs> of each other they're so right. scared and they're like shaking yeah and then like by week 10 or whatever that's like They've been doing this for five years. Well, that's what they mm -hmm. say about, especially yeah. comedy. It's yeah. it's one of the things that um, the best stuff is born from failure. So if you don't get up there and initially bomb and yeah. make an ass out of yourself, then you don't, you know, get that great material in the end. Right. So essentially, you have to make a complete and total ass of yourself in order to then become, you know, refined and. Sounds like the and other works. use Edison light bulb thing. Like you have a. Yeah, the was like five thousand ways how not to make a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Found a light bulb. Yeah. yeah. You have to know what not to do. And make four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine mistakes, or at least five thousand mistakes. But right, right. Yeah. I, know, I saw it on Facebook. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not real. What did we just say? I just shared it. So, uh, you know, uh, speaking of, of uh, you know, getting into, uh, you know, your respective interests and trying things out and stuff like that, how did you guys get into theater? What was, mm -hmm. what was the impetus there? For me, it wasn't sports. <laughs> 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 when I, uh, like, after I graduated college, um, not a very good fan. I didn't really care for the bar scene. I was spending a lot of time at work, so I'm like, I need something to do. And 
I wasn't good at sports, but I liked drama, so just started getting involved in some theater and helping out here and there and did a murder mystery. And it was like, oh, a murder mystery, oh no. Oh god, that's like the bane of every local actor's <laughs> existence. But it was, I was tricked. It was like, no, 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 you're going to get a script. And then it was like weeks went by and there was no script. And we're like, so hey, it's like, oh, no, no, just a character description. Okay, but what about, what we're going to say? It's like, yeah, improv. That's well. That's how. For those of you that don't know, there's dinner theater. There's murder mysteries. For all you young people out there watching that may want to try to get into local theater or, you know, big theater or paid work. Stay the fuck away from dinner theater and murder mysteries. And if Actor Circle calls you, I love them people. <laughs> No, you know that's but no, life. that's how van life got started. <laughs> that's true. We'll get back to that later. Because we're talking cheap scam. Yeah, um, I I've been doing theater for most of my life. It's what I've usually always gravitated towards from a young age. And then I moved away and did it professionally. And I came back and well, I moved away and did TV and film. And then when I came back, I got back into theater, which is the most fun. So for the past six or seven years or so, I've been uh, really wrapped up in the local arts and, you know, much to, to speak to what you're saying, mostly to stay out of trouble, to keep busy at night. You know, I work during the day and then, and then um, I have the theater, which is most important to me, but it's, it's basically become a way to sort of keep myself busy in a constructive way and... And uh, and stay sane. But yeah, I've done it. I've done it for most of my life, if not all of my life, I guess at this point. Yeah, pretty much all of my life. That's that's how we met. Yeah, we Back did. We met on the <laughs> stage at West Scranton High School, where Rich Howells had the lead production in My Fair Lady. Yes, Henry Higgins. I was, I was... And Rich had a beard at that point too. <laughs> I did. What? He had a quaff of. I, I did. I did have very nice hair. Are there right pictures then? of this? <laughs> there are. There's a video actually. Oh, we can't do it live. We would like say it, and then later on, when you're editing it, we could say like plug in a picture. But <laughs> I'll find a way to make that happen. But yeah, which. Yeah. Fine, that's, uh, but we met. Work. We met doing. Uh, yeah. We met doing theater. So it just goes to show. Yeah, that was. You know. I would not be able to talk in front of you people today if it not for. Uh, Local theater. Well, so. did you take drama class too? weren't weren't you in? Uh, yeah, yeah. I took I took the classes all four years in high school. With Annette Palutis. Yes, yes. Who's still doing wonderfully, by the way, if she's out there in in um, Facebook land. I saw her not too long ago. I haven't I haven't run into her in a long time. She's still the same, still very much the same. That's awesome. But yeah, and then you're. I mean, you continued on. This is pretty much the same thing. What you're doing is. <laughs> You know, it's, shooting from the the it, cuts. It was a slightly different, you know, like like uh, you know, I wanted to to do theater, and then I was like, well, I I, I kind of like writing, uh, and maybe I like that a little bit more, so I kind of pursued that more in college, and kind of dropped off of the theater. I always wanted to right. get back into it at some. I point, know though, you. So. I remember you saying something so about I'm, that I'm, when uh, we last spoke of it. So yeah. At some at some point, this you've flirted with the idea twice now. So I have, say it. yeah. Maybe if I say it publicly enough, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get pushed. But anyway. writing is much more, you know, it's it's much more uh, from the inside out, and it's much more, I would say, difficult and self-critiquing. If that's, you know, grammatically correct, so you might have a better time doing theater than writing. At least when I write, I I beat myself up over. 
the stuff because I don't because <laughs> I don't consider myself a writer. But when put in that situation where you're like, oh, you know, all right, I have to write. Um, well, you I, guys wrote this show, yeah. And so, what, what what was that process uh, painful as well? Well, like, <laughs> Kim, it was born no. out of. Go ahead, tell the story, Kimmy. Um, tell I think like Casey and I have been kind of I don't know, bumping each other, but paddling around um, through New Adventures Ensemble is how we met. Mm. Um, we Pride and Prejudice, which I love that you had to be like convinced <laughs> to do. Yeah, of course. And. Um, <laughs> As all, as all great things. <laughs> this, um, who, who wrote it? Who, what was her name? Jane Austen. Jane. Tell me more about this Jane Austen <laughs> character. Like, and I remember like, no, no, no. Like, every guy in community theater will kill to play this part. Oh, well, then I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we did do a show not too long ago, last year. Community theater is very much like living in a Christopher Guest movie. It really is. Like, there's this really wonderful absurdity about it that you can't deny. Like noises up. Right. It's a very accurate mm-hmm. depiction. Um, it's all, it's it's so silly that you find yourself in this circumstance where it's like, she's not really an actress, she's, she's a teacher, and he's a construction worker, and he's like, he's a volunteer fireman, but at night we get together and we do plays <laughs> for the community. But so there's something really absurd about it. So Kimmy and I found ourselves a few months, or well, a year or so more ago, doing a show and, and being really sick of it and looking at each other like, this sucks, this is horrible. And then deciding to write a show from scratch for mm-hmm. the Fringe Festival to sort of take, take it into our, our own hands and say, all right, well, if we're constantly annoyed by what's being produced by other people, then... You know, we owe it to ourselves to to test our own capabilities and, mm. and you know, make something of our own to work on. It was kind of those things of, like, wanting, you know, more, realizing that with uh, some groups, like, you know, the resources are limited, the timing is limited, um, you know, other people are being stretched between, you know, everyday, like, life happening. And um, so, yeah, it kind of became one of those things of, like, you know, with, you think you know how to direct the play, then you should direct. And, you know, um, so yeah, it was kind of those moments of like, you know, we wanted to, wanting more or wanting different things or seeing maybe how stuff wasn't kind of working and being like, all right, it's time to Yeah, show if you're going to bitch about it, if you're going to bitch about it, right? you know, see if you could actually do it yourself or basically just, just being in charge of our own um, project was the most important thing and not having to answer to people or mm. to to do it for this reason or that reason but to just you know and then if it all fucking sucked we had no one to blame but ourselves we couldn't <laughs> look at each other and be like yeah this is right. horrible and that's what's great about the fringe was it was a very safe i mean as safe as you can get kind of really just putting yourself out there like i had never written anything or kind of created something from scratch like mm. i always say i am decent with other people's words and I am terrible <laughs> with my own. Um, so that was, that was, you know, it was as safe as you can get kind of environment to, because it was only about an hour. Right. It was minimal set because you didn't know like where you're going to be, what kind of tech you're going to have. So it did constrain you from what you were able to do. I'm like, all right, that's good. Yeah, like you couldn't get too wild with your idea when we were trying to, you know, like thinking of a show and all that because, you, yeah, you were working within these sort of squeezed parameters. Like, there was already a format, you know, we couldn't go, yeah, over a certain time. Mm-hmm. And 
the good thing about the Fringe Festival is it's it's already a a place where people go to um, to try out their they're you know much the same as with an open mic night almost mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. these people are trying out their work it's um, the whole idea of a fringe festival came from shows that you know they weren't commercial they weren't necessarily what you might consider automatically successful but people still wanted to perform them so um, it was low risk hopefully high reward mm. um, so it was the perfect place to sort of stretch out as amateur writers mm-hmm. and. Uh, that was kind of the thing, too, is that he, or Casey had um, tacked and worked behind the scenes with Fringe for the previous two years, and I observed, like, I went to see a lot of shows, so we had, I think, different perspectives of the Fringe, like, not having shows directly involved or doing a show in it, like, we saw a lot of, like, he said from the tech perspective, like, nope, we can't do this, or we gotta keep right. it this way, or issues that they ran into, and from, as an audience perspective I saw well mm, it's got to be have this element or it's got to have this or this is what drew people in versus yeah this was an interesting idea mm. but for as new as it is to Scranton like people want to go people want to laugh people want to be entertained slip in you know if you want a deeper message in there um, yeah so we had an, I think an interesting mishmashing of perspectives that's true going into it as well and now, what, what made you want to pick this topic? For, for those who maybe aren't familiar, what is hashtag van life? Like, that, this is a whole thing. If you Google it, it's a deep hole to go down. It's for real, yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting. Yeah, I had but. started out a couple of years ago, not, maybe not even a couple of years ago, but in the pretty recent past, I started watching things about the tiny living movement. Which okay. Was, which, to me, I love. This is um, a part of. Van yeah. life is a part of the tiny living movement. Right. Yeah, van life is sort of an offshoot of the tiny living movement. They've gotten tinier, um, <laughs> but I, I got really involved in the, the tiny living movement as far as falling down rabbit holes on YouTube and, and things like that. And that right. super charming way of life, but you knew under the surface it was like they're fucking lying. <laughs> These people are miserable. And then once you start watching more videos, or you know, I found the van life, which was an offshoot of tiny living, where people took it one step further and they lived full time in their vans. Yeah. And then they did start coming out. You watch them crumble. Their, <laughs> their first like hopeful video because they sort of had this idealistic notion of what it was based on all these cool pictures they saw on Instagram. They're oh. like, yeah, we're going to go out live in our van. We're going to work from our computers. And then you know, by the fifth or sixth video, you, <laughs> you could see the wear and tear on their faces. And then it just sort of got me thinking about... Um, this this lifestyle I always think of it in the Christopher Guest sort of manner where it's like a mockumentary sort of glimpse into this weird like niche sort of lifestyle so I started thinking of the van life just I need to do something with this or there's potential here or there's something you know just kept it in the back of my mind and then right. and then when Kimmy and I got together and you know, pretty much decided on writing something together and performing something together. I threw the idea of the van life out there, and then we just started throwing things together. Um, and it, the one constant was the van. Was always the backdrop of the story. Would always be the van, the van, the van. So the van stayed, and um, yeah, van life is pretty much a, a millennial movement. It's a half-assed hipster um, answer to hard problems when life gets too hard 
and your college degree is useless, find a VW van, <laughs> bus, and a sleeping bag, and a camera phone, and the potential's endless, <laughs> apparently. But look it up, yeah. Van life, tiny, tiny living, it's really funny. The videos are funny, too, because, like, I saw from... The other perspective, a lot of videos that I saw were people that were trying, like you could tell like, they got on it mm. late and they were really trying to like, okay, this is, this is the framework. Like there was this guy who was living in a van, but he had a good job mm. and he decided like, I don't need an apartment. I'm going to do this van. And then like making mountains out of molehills, like, <laughs> just to have something to talk about or to make it seem like it's the end of the world. And it's like 20 minutes of him at his job, using their conference room to be like, all right, I need to know where to park my van. Yeah. He's like, I work in this vicinity. And he's just drawing these big circles. <laughs> and he's just like, all right, so this is a sweet spot. He was, guys. Yeah, he was looking for help. You like, gotta help me out. Like, I don't know where to park spot. my van. Because work won't let me anymore. Yeah, the work stopped letting him. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw that. I become a liability. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are the, 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 the problems that the, mm. the people face on a day-to-day -day basis. But the best thing about it, they, they all universally love it. Um, like, they've gained something from it that they're like, you know what? So after two months of slumming it, you know, horrible, they're like, I'm getting used to it. I don't mind this, um, this lifestyle. And they really do sacrifice everything. And they end up being okay with it. So they're getting something from it. Mm. You know, they're getting something from dumping their, you know, their rent <clears throat> and their, you know, 400 and some square feet of bliss um, for stealth camping in Walmart, and you know this, it's but it and it, the thing also about the show is it's um, there's a lot of social commentary that we could fit into there because it speaks a lot to social media. It speaks a lot to like um, this filtered um, this story, yeah. like filtered Snapchat story or Instagram story that we've sort of start creating for ourselves to build an image and how fraudulent that actually is. Um, so there are so many different other messages that we've sort of wrung from the idea of the tiny living movement. <laughs> so um, you, you are telling me, though, that, that they do this and eventually they kind of fall apart? Because I was talking to Rich, and I'm like, my mind is like, I have a love-hate for these people. <laughs> and it's because I, I, I love them because you know what good for you you're saying fuck it like fuck right. the 9 to 5 and fuck you it's know it's a big commitment yeah it's but like, like, but like I don't know I don't know how old you guys are but like you know I was raised you know go to high school get good grades okay. get into college get good grades get that that 9 to 5 job get the health benefits get the house mm -hmm. the white picket fence all that the fucking bullshit all that bullshit mm -hmm. it doesn't exist now no no, no because it doesn't because you know yeah the job you, you have for 30 years and you retire and everything's fucking great it doesn't exist people oftentimes have five six jobs you know, all mm -hmm. that kind of shit it's a side mm -hmm. hustle yeah sure. exactly mm -hmm. and and it's like looking back on you know how i you know my how my path was is like i kind of wish i had more like that free mindset but i did all i followed all the rules you know, i never got in trouble well I never got caught, but, yeah. but like I, I, I did. I, I, I played the game, and now it's like, fuck! Like, did I waste? Like, did, right. I, did I miss out on some stuff? So, I'm like, that's really cool that they could do that and just mm -hmm. say fuck it. Like, but at the end of the day, too, it's like, 
when you're 80 years old or 70 years old, like, what do you have uh, outside yeah. of these pictures for the internet and, you know, pictures on your phone and the memories? Like, well, what do you have? Like, granted, I did, I followed the rules. I, you know, I own a home. I, I, I have all that stuff. So, I, at the end of the day, I have, like, something tangible, so to yeah. speak. Is it worth anything? I, I don't know. To me, I guess it is. I, you know, whatever. But it's just, it's, so I have this love-hate thing for them. It's kind of like one of the things that we talk about in van life. Like where we talk about, you know, you're paying for a house and for stuff that you're never oh, yeah, in you're... and you never liked or whatever. Right. And, mm-hmm. Well, that's that's also the thing about the van. There, there's no, it, there doesn't seem to be much planning that goes on with it. So, I mean, when they say like we're gonna go live in the van full time, I can't imagine them going any further than a year or two of this life. It's just sort of, it's like saying, oh, I backpacked through Europe mm-hmm. and I learned a thing or two about myself. I sowed my wild oats. <laughs> you know, I think these people are just sort of saying, chuck it. For the time being, but you couldn't sustain a full life. In a, in That's a amazing because they spend so. I mean, they get rid of everything. Yeah, they, and they spend so much time because with the the one that sticks in my head is with this couple. You know, they met, and it was like three months later they were living together, and it was a small apartment. And then they decided, like, yeah, let's let's do the van thing, and they got a van for a couple of thousand dollars. And while they were renovating it <laughs> to make it, you know, because they're so customized, it's not like. In the 60s, we're like, hey, let's go across country and sing on the roadside and, <laughs> you know, whatever the car is set up, like the van is set up, like, these are, like, RV customized right. deals, and they spent a couple thousand dollars to, <laughs> to renovate it. Caught fire. Oh, yeah, I saw <laughs> that, and they had to restart it. So they spent, like, $5,000, and it was completely ruined, <laughs> so they then they bought, like, a $10,000 already kind of right. equipped van and then right. spent more money to customize But how about that? I remember oh, watching it and they're like, we had a van fire and they, <laughs> they cut to a quick picture <laughs> of like the aftermath which was like a scarred, hollow, post-apocalyptic looking van. They're like, but this time we just bought it already done because they already wasted all their energy renovating yeah. that. Oh, yeah. man. Oh. It was just like... So yeah, what, what really ends up happening is like watching a relationship deteriorate. Mm-hmm. And that's what was sort of important with van life is we don't play a couple. I'm a, uh, an over the top, <laughs> flamboyantly gay Southern. <laughs> <laughs> we the the characters couldn't be any more juxtaposed, mm-hmm. um, and we sort of did that. I mean, for a reason. We're we're two friends on the road, as opposed to a couple. A lot of times you'll find it's couples that do this right. together, and. Um, and they hate each other after Right. <laughs> but it seemed it seemed more like it seemed more logical or there was more fruit to pick between a friendly relationship that you know, that they they could um well, it's kinda of like the relationship where your emotional needs are met and it's kind of like mm. you know, it's a relationship but there's not a sexual element that you know, like you said the bromance or you know, girlfriends and stuff like that, like where those emotional needs are met, where you go to that person for everything, and then you go off and have fun. Right. Well, we, we address that in van life, like what we do for sex, or what may be done for sex, or what could happen. Like, what would you do? Uh, um, but uh, it was important to keep that relationship platonic, because I didn't really feel like exploring the intimate relationship on the road. I think that would be an entirely different show altogether, but... 
but yeah, even still, it's a work in progress. We, uh, we rehearsed tonight, and as we were going through it, you know, my eyebrows raising a little bit in certain areas where it's 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 still a work in progress, mm. and um, we're kind of hitting the road with the show now. Um, so we're learning as we go, much the same as I was saying earlier with the comedians. I mean, we're sort of learning as we go, and uh, yeah, we had like a whole set that we like completely screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's sort of, I guess, part of the process. So you don't really, you can't really refine your work until you put it to the test. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what we're doing now. Just pretty much hitting the road and uh, trying different things in between and seeing what audiences like and what they don't like. And and uh, that was surprising for me was because we were in this like isolated bubble from when we submitted and then thinking, oh, there's a wait. And then when we got accepted, it was like... Into the French Festival. Into the French Festival last year. So it was like when we got our acceptance in May, it was like, oh, holy shit, now we have to do this. Right. <laughs> like, it was a part of me in the back of my mind. That we pretended like, like we had a don't full Don't accept idea. us, because then I don't have to worry about it. And it all took us up. And I'm like, how disappointed by You mean I have to write it now? <laughs> and then when I was like, did you read our proposal? Like, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, and... Um, but yeah, and then there was like this nice little bubble that we were in, and we just amused ourselves so much from like May to like the end of September, um, and this little bubble of creating it, and that, and then like well, you don't know coming out to the wire, we were like, holy shit, like, we don't know if people are gonna like it, respond to it, if people right. gonna come, and then there was a, that part that just didn't even care, yeah, because it was just really exciting about right, there was, just yeah. doing it, and because um, yeah. we all had those shows that you have so much fun doing it where like if one person shows up great just because you want to do it um like for reindeer monologues the first time that i did that it was an elephant and then it was like a snowstorm and like two people came and we're like yes two people <laughs> we get to do it because we just as a if cast the, yeah the audience so if the audience right. outnumbers the cast you're okay that, that's like the general rule of thumb like, I mean, there's, it yeah. there's six of us there's eight of them oh it's all worth it okay <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there was that nice little bubble that you and I were in where we were just blissfully sort of entertaining each other and, you know, not really thinking about how people would respond to it. Mm -hmm. And then and then to, you know, because during that whole process, you're not sure if what you're doing is even worth continuing to do. So it was nice during the Fringe Festival, the, those three nights, the audiences had a great time. I mean, they, they really did. And it was, it felt good to get that feedback after... All that time spent just wondering. Mm -hmm. It's really a leap of faith. Work. And then, like, for us, like, not knowing, because it's an out-of-order, crazy ride. Yeah. Like, we give people the experience of, like, the craziness of being, going from, like, okay, it's this nice, rosy world, and here's how we're going to start off. And, you know, the minute something goes wrong, the reality, the veil lifting, and... Yeah, you wonder if people are going to follow you. Like, follow what you're trying to say. Especially, it is out of order, somewhat. The show is sort of cut up and bounced around in a certain way. And, yeah, it was hard to know. And it's still yeah. hard to know. I'm still questioning, <laughs> like, does this make sense? Is this... But, um, I mean, I guess time will, will tell. It's it's, it's still... I'm, it, it's still a work in progress. It really is. It's still... Um, yeah, we are renovating it from... Yeah. <laughs> so you saw it at Scranton Fringe? Yeah, if you saw it at the Fringe. Come to Cooperage, because it's going to be different. Right. It's... And let us know if you like the changes. Well, cheers to that. Absolutely. 
I'm gonna turn my mouse on these chest and platforms. I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. driving. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm driving the van. So. Is it the van it. that you guys live in? In van life? Oh it's a Mini Countryman. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because Kimmy actually drives a Mini Cooper in real life, which. He's got a lot of room though. It's not practical for. If it was just yeah. me and I ditched your ass. Huh. No one in the right mind could ever live in a, a Mini Cooper. That's sleeping in the in the passenger seat with your legs up in the back corner of the back window. Thank you, Rich. And that was the SBC mm-hmm. shady spot, which, which is, is the lemon shade. Quite, quite good. It is good. It's, it's nice great little... for today. Yeah. Um, well, you know, live, live it up while you still can, because it's going to be cold the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah, it's like thir- mid-30s tomorrow, and then it's yeah. going to get warm again. From Sunday and yeah, Monday. Yeah, go, go, go up and down now for a while. Uh, if, uh, Elizabeth Bohan, uh, who, who is a co-founder of the, the French Festival, said, uh, we read your, your proposal and it was very fringy. Oh, <laughs> so. well, define fringy. Liz. Very loose. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so it, is, uh, is it going to change at all now with the, the Cooperage show? Have you ever done a show there before? Uh, what, is that, what is that space like? Uh, because I think a lot of people... Might not even know that the Cooperage exists. It's a very interesting little space. Could you it's, know a little bit about that? I mean, it's, it's, Honesdale is such a wonderful little town. Um, it's really little, but it's um, it's just it's so cute, and it has like your like a lot of mom and pop stores. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of you know consignment, but then there's more progressive. Um, the Cooperage is a really great spot. Um, it's a really community, like people that just want to do stuff for the community. Um, it basically, it's like a community center. They have game nights there. They have open mic. They have you know music. They have um, discussions come in. They're appropriate of everything. And three years ago, after we did Hamlet, they um, somebody from there saw it and really liked it, and then approached New Vintage Ensemble. To say, hey, we don't really have a theater presence in Honesdale, and it's something that we would like to mm. kind of start to cultivate. So they wrote a grant, they got the grant, and then um, partnership with us to do two productions there. And I did uh, my kind of, I saved my directorial debut because Ranger Monologues was monologues, <laughs> <laughs> and that really is set in that. Um, so I did the fourth wall. Um, A.R. Gurney's fourth wall up there, and they were so nice. Um, it's a great space. Um, and we were just there a few days ago yeah. um, checking in, and I was seeing the space for the first time, and the the, the girl there who runs their marketing, Ryan, Ryan mm-hmm. she said now that since the new vintage started doing things at the Cooperage, they've, had a, they've mm-hmm. seen it, um, uh, an interest peaked. They have more and more theater productions from different uh, other communities coming in, and uh, but it's a it's a it's a really neat space. It's hard to really pinpoint what it is, but that does sum it up nicely. Like a just a really solid community space. Mm -hmm. Um, They also do like farmers markets. Like they have like an open area um, in the front. They do farmers markets in the summer. They do kids programs. Um, Yeah, they do. There's a true community kind of like center. It's, just, it's hard to figure out what it is, but yeah. I mean, but I it's not it, like that. It's not like the Y. It's like a very stylistic. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very stylistic. It's mm-hmm. got all the wood and the, the it's that very modern, chic, industrial mm-hmm. sort of 
Well, the Cooper. Well, because it's, it's the Cooper. It's, it's the Cooper. It's, it's like, the Cooper. It's the Yeah, it's a barrel. So essentially, they designed the building. It's brick. It's a brick and barrel looking building. It's. It, I mean, it's beautiful. So and it, and it pretty much lends itself nicely to anything that really wants yeah. to go there. So I'm really excited about going there for the first time. And, and the community was great because when I had a fourth wall, um, you know, being a little bit of a distance, and they had other stuff going on, so we couldn't, not like a normal theater production where it was like, even if you're using the space, usually it's that week of, you go in and you have mm -hmm. a space. We didn't have that. So we're trying to get a mobile set. Um, the business, local businesses were great, and they donated, you know, furniture that we can use for a set. Um, I give mad props to Kevin at the Cooper. <laughs> it's just, I didn't know how to construct flats and keep them standing and lighting, and he was wonderful. He got, like, right on board and enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't say enough anything about the Cooper. It's a beautiful drive. Um, it's not that far. Don't, yeah, people are like oh. people act. If people act like everything's too far, yeah. Yeah. if you live in Scranton, Wilkes Barre is too far. Vice versa. Oh, I know. Don't cross the county border. <laughs> bring, bring your <laughs> own beer, by the way. Oh yeah, BYOB. So BYOB even better. Stop at Beer Boys. Go to Beer Boys. <laughs> get your crowlers. Yep, and then head on up. Which is right. actually pretty clever. I never heard of the crowler before. Yeah. But it's, it's just the right amount. For like you know, like yeah. two people, you know. So what would that be considered? Like a six pack almost? No, no this, is a, this is like thirty two ounces. Oh, so they're quarter. Figuring, you're figuring two two pints. I know, they don't look I'm now having the North Slope Orange Crush. It's very good, by the way. And uh, yeah, this is I'm gonna try. I'm gonna jump on that one next. So yeah, let's. Uh, it's like, well the the one podcast I watched not too long because I'm a podcast fan and I stumbled upon Get Dug with High. <laughs> Did you ever hear of it? With the, the one comedian, Doug something or other, and he has his guests, and he smoke weed. <laughs> Basically, he just likes to cripple his guests. He it's doesn't even inhale the weed. <laughs> it's real funny you watch. You're like, that. he's not even fucking inhaling his weed. <laughs> but he just lets the guests get crippled, and, you know, whatever comes of it comes of it. <laughs> That's um, perfect. That's awesome. I to like, Kathy Bates got high with Snoop Dogg. Oh my god! <laughs> doing an interview, and I'm like, I, I love Kathy Bates and Snoop Dogg. Well, you know, I, I did get uh, a thing from the the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival that does the thing at, at Nyaga Rear. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to come on the show. Fucking yes! So, oh, yes! So we, we might we might have an interesting show that week. You should definitely uh, check that one out. Uh, we'll let you know up, when that comes you know, out. Then I'll, like, <laughs> fall asleep on the job or something. Well, you know, it's funny because like last uh, they, when we we used to do uh, the show in Scranton. And uh, we did it maybe their their first or second year, I think, uh, the, we, we had them on. And they brought this guy, and he didn't say anything. He just kind of hung out or whatever. I'm like, oh, you know, he's, he's your friend. And he's like, uh, we, we picked him up on the way. No. He, was a, he was a hitchhiker. And I'm like, you guys are the fucking epitome. Yeah, right. Yeah, you were playing around. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, like, you can't. This is well, stereotype. You live the lifestyle. Yeah. Like, holy shit. You just picked up a hitchhiker and brought him I here? I haven't seen a hitchhiker in 20 years. And of course, the hippie's like, oh, shit, y'all, a hitchhiker, man. <laughs> I really haven't yeah, seen it. Isn't it like a modern, like, hippie now? Like, there, there is. Is that, is that, is that possible? Is yeah. It, can you it's, modernize hippie? That's sure. life. You yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. You half-ass hippie because at least with hippies, they yeah. might have been lazy, but they sort of they lived in a time where their their cause was worthy, and they were all very, you know, political and, and right, you know, into it. And but there's something about the those people nowadays that's sort of half-assed. They don't really follow through, which is why it is nice to see the young kids and more like and posting Florida on Facebook. That. 
You don't have to research right. it. You just no. share it. Instead, mm. like, here's my opinion. <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's it's too easy to give an impression over the internet of you know who you are and 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 what things are when in reality it's completely different, which you know right. plays into what you guys are talking about in the show quite a bit. Now, is it, having played these characters, did it give you a new appreciation for the for millennials or you know because some people like I, I'm technically a millennial, but I don't really consider right. myself a right. millennial. There, there's another term, zennials, mm-hmm. where you're you're in That's between Gen me. X. And millennial, because I mean, I lived without the internet for right. mo- for a good portion of my life and Mortal stuff like channel. that. So my television growth. <laughs> we didn't have a remote. Right. Got a remote was like a big. So you can't you can't say that we're we're millennials too. Like so, I, I like that term because it kind of bridges the gap in yeah. between there. So I mean, did it give you a different perspective of the? Those, for those me, people? it's like. Because they grew up with technology. Right. You know, or like the next generation, like they grew up with technology. Like I can remember, like, oh my God, when like Beta and VCR came out, I was so freaking out that my parents were going to pick wrong. Mm-hmm. Like we would end up with one and then the other one would survive. <laughs> um, What'd you go with? Did you go they with VCR. Oh, so good, we good, good, good. Um, All the good porns on Betamax, by the way. But like, <laughs> <laughs> if you still have a player out there. Hope it doesn't break. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember like kind of like you know when you would leave your doors unlocked, like that more simple romantic kind of like thing where they grew up where there was always the next thing. And I appreciate and I find endearing that they want to return to that simpleness of mm. not having all the stuff. And I think because it was that generation too where they didn't have you know you're coming off generations of generations that dealt with depression, so like they were like. Sure. You know, my grandparents were, like, always at scarcity consciousness. And then my parents, like, grew up with that. And so then they were like, I don't want my kids. Well, see, that's what happened. Because they're, they're saying and now... And so I'm going to give them all the video games and players. <laughs> and so that craving to return, but then still needing that validation. Yeah. Right. Which, I mean, from a theater perspective, I totally appreciate <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's in a controlled environment where it's like, all right. But, I mean... It's... My whole thing for doing theater was, like, I did it in hopes that people would tell me I suck. And to stop. <laughs> well, that, stop being good 15 at Fifteen years it. later, what do you mean? Well, but I mean, there's something they they about the millennials. The millennials are constantly being blamed for uh, just being um, ill-informed, lazy. Uh, but finally, I think it was last week, someone brought up the fact that baby boomers were just bad at parenting. So it was, it was nice to see right. the, that shift, like the blame to shift from the millennials who were just the product mm-hmm. of baby yep. boomers who are bad parents because of, you know, their parents who are just trying to, it, it all comes from trying to shield the next generation from the things that right. hurt you. And then, yeah. but what do you end? get? Where does it end though? Right. Because like, obviously like, you know, you get to a point, like, obviously I want my child to have a better life than I had. I had a great fucking life. So how much better can his be? Mm-hmm. And obviously I hope that he would want his children to have a better life than he had. But like, but like how do you how do you get to that? At what cost? You know, at what at what mm-hmm. cost? That's all perspective. Right. Well as to what like, you know, what I think is pretty shitty is somebody else's that's a picnic. Well that's like yeah. music. Yeah. It's like they thought Elvis, like, look at him and his devil music and then it was like <laughs> then it was our parents in rap, like, look at them and their devil music. And then like I wonder what's gonna be our thing where we're like, that's the most terrible fucking song I've ever Kanye heard. West. 
Talking about easy. So after Novitch's friendship last year, I do have an appreciation for him. <laughs> yes, that's and true. That was a it was a good take on it. That was a good um, that was a good job. Oh yeah, the one at the cultural center. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 definitely in- interesting. You know, and and definitely opens you up to to new ideas, which I think is mm-hmm. a, a good portion of the point of theater. You yeah. know, is to to let you into other people's lives. And I think shows that's what I liked about. I kind of found it very thrilling about doing a show was that you know I didn't care if people liked it. Mm-hmm. I kind of. There's a part of me that was kind of like, I kind of hope somebody like doesn't like it, because <laughs> that meant they like you know they were tuned in and they right. were watching it and they were observing it and I always like that adverse reaction because it intrigued me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's designed to do both. It's designed to repel and attract, um, and both functions are <laughs> equally as important. Because I've had a few shows where I've I've had people walk out. And uh, hmm. but more people stayed than walked out. I have had a show where someone was wheeled out. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, that's true. In a wheelchair or what? I don't know. Twice as much. Yes, it was a. I don't know. <laughs> I've gone too far, Jack. <laughs> I can't say. I can't say. But yes, someone was wheeled out of one of the shows. I, <laughs> oh, <wrote>. I, can't. <laughs> I can't say on on the air, but somebody was yes wheeled out. It was a one-time thing, and what we were saying was pretty abysmal to begin with. <laughs> but uh, but sorry, I loved the show that you directed, Behind Into a Cane, because it was like one of those. Shows I love that, that show. Really it was great. I, 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 oh, you I, did see it. I did see it. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. I, I actually saw the the original production off Broadway with Christopher Walken. <gasps> no, you didn't. And Sam Rockwell. Really? Wow! Really? Yeah, I, I, you know, it was just a fluke that I happened to. I don't know what it was at the time that I had seen this, you know, uh, uh, an article about it or something like that, and I was like, "Wow, these tickets are dirt cheap for like." Oh no, I do being, remember you saying it being that. Sh- yeah, like, exactly. And like, it flopped. To, like the show it, yeah, it, it flopped. It didn't do well, but it was such a good show, and I That's loved true. it. I, I, well, I loved uh, the the creator of In Bruges. If you ever saw that movie. Great, Martin, great movie. Actually, a nominated this year for three billboards outside of Ebbing. Missouri. That's right. He wrote. And Ab- that. Absolutely. So, so you know, a guy who's you know still relevant is putting great stuff out. You know, did this this show, and and you could see a lot of great shows that way. You know, I saw uh, Crybaby a couple years ago when they they tried to they tried to the play musical, off the hairspray. Yeah, was thing. it was it a musical they made? Yeah, it was a musical, yeah. and it was like okay, you know, hairspray did well. Let's try to turn another John Waters show into. It didn't do that well, but I was entertained, and it, the tickets weren't that bad because it was, you know, a show that didn't really take off or anything like that. But it's a cool experience to see that type of thing and to to see actors that you would normally see on the big screen and stuff like that on a in a small role like that. So it was kind of cool, and it was, you know, it. it I, I will say your production was so much fun. I enjoyed it just as much as I did oh, uh, the the show well, with because uh, that's with what Mark happened. And, I and read the script and it was hysterical. And I was like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And then I started seeing reviews, old reviews. And they're like, this yeah. show was horrible and it bombed and this and that. And I started to second guess myself. And I'm like, no, if yeah. I initially read it and found it to be funny, you know, that's a, it's a good example of a show that drives people away and attracts them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because there were some people who walked out of that one. Mm-hmm. But there were some people that found it refreshing to be able to laugh at I, you know, I think some people are intimidated like by, like, the small spaces and, th- and that type of thing. 
But I think that's what makes the shows even better. You know, like those right. those type that type of show specifically. Because maybe like my dad, because my dad is a good laugher. And yeah. He'll laugh at. <laughs> so he gets he's like an audience fluffer. Like he I, warms I, up the ads because if you have one uh, one person to laugh. Contagious. And then it makes it okay for everybody else to laugh. I and and you know I may, maybe I'm not as educated on this stuff, so you can correct me if you want. But uh, you know, in terms of Broadway, I feel like Broadway now is become Hollywood in the sense that. It can only do well with franchises and names that people recognize, and anything that's experimental or different or whatever kind of gets shoved they aside. Yeah. They don't have the ability to take risks. Yeah, and I, I, I would rather see those t- those types of shows. Uh, you know, and so, not to say that the the, the Broadway shows are, aren't surprising. Like my wife uh, dragged me actually to uh, Waitress uh, because she's a big Sarah Bareilles fan, mm-hmm. and I ended up loving the show. I thought it was great because I love musicals. Those are like the best things, like when you go. Like, yeah, yeah, and and I was pleasantly surprised by how good it was and how well the show was put together because it was based on a movie, and I'm I'm really against that. Like, oh, let's just take a movie that people recognize and turn it into a show. Yeah. But it was a small enough movie that not a lot of people recognized that I think it could be good. That was one. And Ryan it was Reynolds, right? Written with original music. Uh, no, that was a di- that was a different movie. I know which I know which one you mean. Because um, I know the play you're talking about, but I didn't know where it came from. Exactly. Yeah, it, it it was a it was a small movie, uh, but I remember it because at the time I used to work at a blockbuster, so we oh. would get all the like anything that came to video, we would see it all the time, and you know see the covers over and over again. So that would kind of made me aware of this this thing, but it was just a small movie that didn't really do much, so I didn't really think much of it. But then Sarah Bareilles wrote all this original music for it, which I think is the key. You know, a lot of the stuff now is like the jukebox musicals, yeah. where it's like, okay, let's just take a bunch of songs that are completely unrelated, like a bunch of ABBA songs, yeah. and say, put them in, <laughs> put them into a movie, a completely which is great, but... unasked for a sequel that nobody <laughs> said they wanted <laughs> exactly. to see with Cher as Grandma. Because the Who first one cares? was. <laughs> I, like, well, I hate, Bronson, I hate. He looked like he was having the time of his life. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, Hung over Little pitchy dog. I, I, I can't stand I'm it. So, I'm so I against work. that kind of stuff. But it, it's cool that, that people are still doing these small theater things. You're taking a, a, a take, you took a show that was not well-loved on Broadway, but I think needed its own niche. Well, good you know, thing I to find found it that audience. way, because if I had found it the opposite way, I would never have done it. If I found the reviews first, I'd have been like, yeah. Ah. But someone handed me the script first. I'm thinking, like, this is fucking hysterical. Um, so I don't know. I think it might have just been the wrong time timing on Broadway or right. wrong casting or wrong anything that made people shy away from it. back from, like, the, you know, the economic stuff where it took a big hit. And so, it, yeah, it became a thing of, let's do the sure things. Of oh, right, yeah. exactly. Let's do stuff like Lion King or whatever. People they know killed, what that is. They right. killed, like, five super uh, Spider-Men. Because oh I have a friend who works on wardrobe for different things, and he worked on Spider-Man before he went on to Adam's family. He's like, we've killed like four Spider-Man already. And 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 obviously, I'm an adamant superhero guy. No. I was like, fuck Spider-Man the musical. I never want to see that. I hope it bombs. I hope it's it fails. Stop doing that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they did Superman the musical many years ago that people mm-hmm. forgot about. Terrible mm-hmm. as well. Wait, like stop they did doing that. Superman they did Superman the musical like a long uh, year, year, it's years. It's like ago. the third Hulk. Like, yes, please, eventually, please, yeah, right. stop it. Or at you least know? you know, stop it. Yeah, insulting the intelligence of the people. Right, who are supposed to be buying tickets. Like you know what they really need? <laughs> They're dying for Mark Ruffalo. Been <laughs> dying for him since Hulk <laughs> Two. Where is Mark? Since Edward Norton. Oh, oh, oh. 
All right. So, um, uh, you know, to, to wrap things up, we want to talk about uh, uh, very quickly that, uh, you know, arts funding is in danger. It's always been. Uh, it's always a problem. It's always something that, that you know, uh, the, the arts face. And I think it came to a head with the, the Scranton Fringe thing. Uh, which made the news, and I thought it was such a... To, uh, to, to be fair, I think it was a little overblown by, like, the Scranton Times and guys like that who, like, they did a thousand articles on it and editorials and everything else, and it's like, okay, we get it. You guys don't like Loring Cummings. Yeah. Nobody does, but very few people do anyway. So let, we, we, we get it. But uh, she essentially said that she didn't, that she didn't think the, the arts tax is worth it, which is funny because a year before that... She said, oh, I think the arts tax is okay, but I don't, you know, like certain things being funded with the arts tax. Then it became, I'm completely against the arts tax and all that kind of stuff, which works out to, uh, Lackawanna County is kind of an interesting little area because it, uh, we do, you know, a lot of other areas don't have this little tax uh, to, to fund arts programs. But I think it makes the, the, the Scranton area pretty unique and progressive in the sense that, you know, it works. It's one mill, so it works out to about twelve dollars per single family household. Right. So like dirt fucking cheap. Yeah. Right. Not something that's really breaking anybody's bank, and it brings all the festivals that people love and take for granted to the area. You know, a little bit of it goes to all the things that you love in downtown Scranton. All the things that bring the city to life are, are funded by the, the this tax. Is, I mean, a lot of people think of it as like theater. And that's yeah, and it's not just. But I was at the the grant ceremony. Yes. And there are so many other things that benefit from it. Uh, Right. For every, I mean, the ice festival that I saw all over Facebook, which was great. um, Yeah. And there was a Clark Summit that got help from those grants. There's like, um, there. Oh my God, there's so many things. There's like, there's a woman who's uh, very beautiful. I've never taken like dance lessons <laughs> with her she uh, was putting together like you know and, and something for people who might be into opera or want to experience it but not right go to new york to see it there was a guitar festival like there's something with the like you know instrumentals there's so much mm-hmm. that encompasses and yeah theater gets i felt personally singled out to be to be honest um she did what, name what ha- scranton fringe festival by name right what happened was they had had a meeting to sort of announce the allocation of funds and, mm-hmm. you know, the people who were getting funds and this and that. And, and um, when it got to the Scranton Fringe Festival, she had some choice comments. And that's how that video was sort of shared and passed around was, hey, check out what she said about you guys. Right. And it was it was sent to me and I watched it. In the initial post, the person sent, they're like, start at 50 minutes and so seconds. Yeah. But I didn't see that, so I watched the entire thing (laughs) until it got to us. So I think maybe in seeing the whole first 50 minutes and how asinine and unimportant, not unimportant, but just everyday Joe Schmo sort of activity was going on, like, oh, money for um, spraying the mosquitoes and money for this, like, just weird things they were saying that they were giving grants for and it got to us and all of a sudden she had this this gripe right like oh here's where i want to put my (laughs) two cents in it's like really and um and she was misinformed basically the whole mission behind the fringe festival was was bold uncensored material in the sense that um it, it it can't be tread on by 
by other people. It was just, um, it wasn't fil it's not filthy material. A fringe festivals, it, it runs the gamut of, you know, um, local bands all the way up to Russian acrobats coming to your town. Sure. And um, she made it seem like and painted it as a, you know, like the Scranton or the the children's library was doing rated R shows, and she sort of made a mishmash of of different things and right. represented the Fringe Festival in that manner, which like you know made me it made me all of a sudden get really protective over it. And uh, then there was a whole debate back and forth between her and the entire local arts community, which didn't really end all that well for her, considering people. Other people also get really defensive of their arts programs and things like that because we all sort of have a, a sense that this stuff is really important mm -hmm. because it shapes us as, you know, young adults and it and it forms our opinions later on in life. The arts is. Um, it's also a reflection. It's a history. Right. It's a history marker. Sure. Um, you know, you look at paintings, you look at sculptures. It's a reflection, a true reflection of. The community, the society at that time, that, that time. it's a snapshot of it um, that I think people miss. And I think it's you know kind of a lot of things that we were saying about you know rushing through life to you know get to what end and that and taking those moments to realize what's going on. And I think she got because of like you know it said that it was uncensored. That's like being like wow, being as like it's like inviting all this appropriateness right. and, and like but, right, but. That's what it was all about. What if it was? Even if it were, who gives a fuck what Lorraine <laughs> Cummings has to say about that <laughs> anyway? Because um, that's the importance of protecting those things is because we rely on that stuff and we need that stuff as human beings to be reminded of mm -hmm. ourselves. Like this is, you know, theater and, and arts, it's, it's pretty much there to be a, a reflection of the times. And if it's not there... Or if it's try you, you try to censor it or, or snuff it out, mm -hmm. then what does that say about you? So what right. are you trying to hide? Or you know what is it that you don't want to be reflected at that time? And, and you know, and it makes you question. Well, what is her real motivation here? Right. You know, because a lot of you know, and and she is absolutely included in this. A lot of politicians now talk in that dog whistle sort of way, where it's like I'm not going to say I don't like this group of people. But you know who I'm talking right. about, wink to the camera. And there's a lot of that going on, especially, you know, she, she is a, a huge supporter of certain politicians who love to do that kind of thing. You can go to her Facebook page and you will find all of those types of things. And uh, a lot of the stuff that we said before, you know, conspiracies and all kinds of other overblown stuff from bad sources. So having that mindset, it makes you really wonder why she was trying to find something sinister in something that's not sinister at right. all. At the end of the day, this money, even though the Fringe Festival overall might have performances that she might not like, this money in particular was going to children's performances at a children's library right. that is completely safe for anybody to and go to. And it was to. unrelated. Those, it, completely those, unrelated. Those children's pro that, that programming was unrelated from the fringe. And, you know, she really did try to confuse people by muddying the waters. Yeah, I, I think so. You know? Yeah. And, it, and that's why I think everyone took such a heated stance towards it because, you know, right. it was sort of fighting dirty. Yeah. In a way, you know, it's like, oh, well. 
And it's, you know, it's it's a good thing that in this case, uh, you know, I don't know how much you, you follow this type of thing, but in the, the county commissioners, there's a two majority commissioners and a minority commissioner. So the two majority usually vote together. The minority usually votes in there except for little things like this here and there. So the minority commissioner doesn't have a ton of power, but that can easily switch at any time. You know, we've had two majority Republican commissioners before, and we've had two uh, Democratic commissioners many times before. So it can switch on and off depending on the election year. And We get sick of one party, and then we put the other party in because we think things are going to change, and then nothing changes, so then we switch to the other guy and back and forth. So right now, yes, she doesn't have any power, and everything that she said was completely useless because it didn't matter. She was going to get outvoted anyway. But at the end of the day, who's to say that not, you know, a couple of years down the road that it doesn't change the other way? Right. So you, you can't, we do have to take that stuff somewhat seriously. In this case, you can't take her too seriously because of the way that she said it and, and the uninformed way that she put it and everything like that. But who's to say that she doesn't get more power at some other point or that this doesn't lead, you know, all, a lot of these guys, they just use this as the launching pad. Okay, now I can become yes. a state rep from here yes. right. and so on and so forth. And you get more and more power as you go along. Person from up the line. Yeah, yeah. The Senate. Resist. Resist. (laughs) But I will say, like, and that's the thing is, I I, want to give much credit to people that, you know, like myself, who I love the fringe, and only this year was my first week involved. I loved that seeing the arts, but not being a sports person in that, because sports is always given priority. Absolutely, and especially in our schools. Not that it, it shouldn't be, but just that, like, image of, like, you're not a sports person. Yeah, that's where the priority. I'm like, I'm not athletic. I'm not competitive. No. I'm not coordinated. <laughs> um, like for me, it was a, it was a home. But I want to thank the other people who have the fringe Scranton's uh, fringe festival has become a part of their community, and that they were so impassioned about yes. standing up for it, which I think was a very beautiful thing. And I, I love that. Kind of there's that balance of like all like, and I just say like those people. Their voices shouldn't be quieted either. Like just because they don't like exactly. what's going on sure. at the Fringe Festival, that's a valid point. And to be like, okay, well maybe this isn't for you. It's kind of like parent controls. You don't go. Like there's a rating system for all the Fringe shows. Don't go to those shows. And and there are you know. Pe- but that's an untapped community of maybe doing stuff that is geared towards them or something that they would like. Maybe if we reached out to be like, okay. Sure. What ideas do you have? What of a meeting in the middle? Like, there's room, so much room for opportunity. We draw too many lines without looking at the other side. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of, which, you know, I didn't know until I started covering county government, you know, years ago as a reporter, but, uh, you know, they go to church groups and things too. Well, as a guy who's not religious whatsoever, I could stand up and say, oh, well, I don't right. want my money going there and that sort of thing. But if you look into it, you go, okay, well, you know what? They're doing something good for the community. This helps people out. This makes people feel good. All right, I'm not. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna fight that. So it goes both ways. Yeah, there have been a lot of churches that have helped. Sure. Your groups that haven't had a home to be like. Exactly. Yeah. Come here. Place. And is it also frustrating though? Do you ever feel that no one supports you guys as much as they should until someone is like, "Let's take it away." Right. Because everyone's like, I feel like they get so vocal about it when. It actually matters, and it's almost too late, mm-hmm. rather than beforehand to that's support. Human nature. That's, that's <laughs> well, no, it is. Yeah, no, until, it is you but talk, like, until you talk but it's, personally, it's. But it's uh, that's but you know. But then the first the, the person who's not ever supportive at all is the first person to you know raise their arm and say, "I support this." And but what have we done prior to that? 
That's right. kind of fucked up. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. How many how many theater shows have you gone to? It's those people who say that. Then there's nothing going on. I'm guilty. <laughs> no, right. and, I, and I'm guilty. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm not a huge theater guy. Mm. But I would never say get rid of it. Right. Right. You know, I would yeah. never. Organized, s- like, okay, just because yeah. it's not for me. Right. 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 But, but I, I'm also saying, like, you know, just those those people who are the first person to, to kind of like, you know, share that shit on Facebook, but they don't do <laughs> shit to, to help, or you know, they didn't do anything prior to that. Like, it's it's it's, it's like having like. Well, this is wrong. It's a Facebook But call. never have anything. <laughs> but never have a solution to help to try to fix it. Like, this, right. is, this is wrong. Okay. Well, okay, well how, how do we fix it? Right. Well, that's why I think yeah. it's up to everyone to protect their own thing. You know, so we could all respect that. You know, you stand up, you protect the things that are important to you. So other people could realize, like, oh, well, that's important to them. And then they could relate it to what's important to them. Yeah. You know, like if, like if oh, if this were to be taken away from me, I'd be so pissed. So I think that's where the the outlying support comes from for people who, you know, didn't say anything before. It's just out of, you know, they could relate to something equal being taken away from them and mm-hmm. how they would feel, you know, something that was important to them. And, I mean, we all have that something that's, sure. you know, would, would set off that alarm in our heads. Like, no, defend that. That's, that's yours. And, um... But yeah, too little, too late. It's such a human flaw. Yeah, until you make a good point. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know though. Yeah, because there are certain things like Kimmy was saying before. Um, it's not my thing, but power to them for you know. That's the best we could do. I think it's um, kind of in a larger perspective. I think what we're missing is that like people could have opinions and ideas and not agree mm-hmm. with you. Right. So you could keep on, right. like, there's a lot of things on Facebook, there's certain groups and stuff like that, yeah. where I'm torn between, like, God, there's just a bit of negativity on here, and it would start with sugar thread, and I'm like, but I don't want to leave it, because then I'm like this, <laughs> and then, but, yeah. like, you could just scroll past it, but Sure. you don't right. have to feed. You d- yeah, you don't have to comment on every single thing right. And, right. Fu- well, and get into a fight every time. My favorite thing is, it's like a business that's that's closing. Yes. That, that you haven't been to in five fucking years. Yes. <laughs> but their last day, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go support them. <laughs> well, my, my community is so hurt by this. It's like, when was the last time you went? <laughs> like, it did anything to support this. Had you gone, like, once a month. Yeah, exactly. In the past five years. Right. It would have, you would have, you would have made a difference. Dude. Going now, when it's closing, you're just, you're just trying to, like, take your fucking photo, <laughs> check in, like, I was there for the last fucking day, like, eat shit. Like, yeah. Right. All like, lessons oh, to be learned. So, in other words, uh, in conclusion, go support shows like this. Yes. Go, go support. Listen uh, to Nipa scene and yes. find out what's going on. Absolutely. Support local radio. Yes. Yeah, I missed out. Which you, you know, I and he has a great show with uh, with with great local music that you can listen to every single week. You know, this is stuff that Saturday is produced night. right here in northeastern Pennsylvania that people just take for granted, and then when it goes away, everyone cries. So yeah. please. Come out and support this kind of stuff. You know, That's give it a I, chance. I guess me, I was like mad at the people when they finally do come to a show that I've been like, just call it. Yeah, like, yeah, whether yeah. they're in it or not, they're like, wow, there's some really talented people around here. <laughs> <laughs> like, Go figure. I told you. I had a good time. Why is it so hard to believe? I always, I always say, doing that show yeah. on Saturday nights at 9, yeah. Alt 92.1, <laughs> uh, is my favorite hour of the work week. Yeah. And I don't get paid a fucking dime for it. Exactly. That's it. Just goes to show you. Because my husband does me all the time. He's like, because I'll come home from like rehearsals and just be aggravated. He's like, am I doing it again? <laughs> Not for fan life, but um, yeah, some other things. I'm like, 
Because I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Because I mean, I'll die knowing I did this. Yeah. <laughs> so see, uh, hashtag van life. Uh, it's at the, the Cooper's in Honesdale, March 2nd and 3rd. Yes, March sir. March 2nd and 3rd, 8 o'clock. Eight. Doors open at 7.30. BYOB. BYOB. Mm-hmm. Stop Beer Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a ju- suggested donation of $10 in advance, 15 at the door. Uh, if, info at coopersproject.org for reservations. Um, and give it, come give us feedback because then a month later we're going to hitting Pittsburgh. the road and we're going to Pittsburgh Fringe. So yeah, representing NEPA there. Cool, awesome. Well, good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks thank you guys again. for being on. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. us. Thanks for the support. Yeah, awesome. And continued support. Please, uh, please, please share this. If you if you got this far, you must have enjoyed the show. So uh, <laughs> please, definitely share this with other people. Let people know to tune into the podcast every single week, uh, Wednesday seventy eight, right here on Facebook, and then afterwards it's available everywhere: YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you uh, consume podcasts. We're here. So thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks, Cole thank Creative. You. Thanks, Beer Boys. Thanks, V Spot. Yes. Is that it? Here, here. Yes, that's right, it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. Good night.